This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense, and you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? <laughs> the answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. Welcome to The Takeout. You know how this program works, those of you who have been with us for a long time. Politics, policy, pop culture. And sometimes we will devote a good deal of our attention to a very big issue. And we're going to do that for the next two weeks on this show. So... If you look at all the polling data heading into the midterm elections, there are two essential issues that seem to be most visible in advertisements, in political context, and the broader conversation. Abortion slash privacy rights under the umbrella of stability, I would say, and the other is economy inflation. Ron Brownstein, a good friend of mine, uh, one of the most articulate and far-sighted writers of about, about American politics, has said, essentially, this midterm election comes down to, to oversimplify it, his words, not mine, your money versus your rights. If that's true, we're going to spend the next two weeks, this week and next, talking about abortion and those attendant rights. Our first guest to do that is Cecile Richards. From 2006 to 2018, she was president of Planned Parenthood. Cecile, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Is the midterm election about oversimplified, as Ron Brownstein says, your money versus your rights? Well, and I, too, a huge Ron Brownstein fan. I think he's brilliant. I would say that it's a little oversimplified. Obviously, it's oversimplified. Mm. But I think partly what people don't understand is that for... Um, I, certainly this issue of freedom and freedom from government interference has become, I think, a dominant theme. Um, it's not so much about abortion. It's about do you believe the government should be making decisions for you and your family mm. about something as personal as pregnancy? I also think, though, sometimes we, uh, um, we don't understand how much decisions about pregnancy. Courtney, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, d- pregnancy, how when and whether to have children is actually related to economics. Um, I mean, obviously so many people make decisions and and women have been able to make these decisions for nearly 50 years about how many children they can support, um, when they want to have their children. Does it help them finish their, finish um, education, 
pursue a career. And so I don't, I think it's a little bit oversimplistic to say these things are not related. I think for women, they are very much related. I mentioned you were president of Planned Parenthood from 2006 to 2018. Was there any point, Cecile Richards, in that time when you feared the reality that exists now would come, meaning Roe versus Wade would be overturned? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, in that, not Would you go so far as to say you saw it coming? Well, honestly, I think the way I think about it, Major, is I kind of always, in my heart of hearts, thought, okay, there's going to be an adult in the room somewhere that's going to stand up and go, okay, I know we've been talking about this rhetoric of overturning Roe and rhetoric of, like, um, uh, making abortion a thing of the past, but I still somehow thought within the Republican Party there would be some group of people who would say, that's really not what we want to do. And it really is not a good idea to take away a right that people have had. And I mean, frankly, have grown to expect that this is a fundamental um, American freedom. Uh, So in that sense, I guess, secretly, I always thought someone's going to stop this. But I know, I mean, I come from Texas, we were talking about Texas earlier. I saw early on um, that the Republican Party in Texas, this became a fundamental issue for them. And, and, and I think for political reasons, not because of moral or ethical reasons, it became this was a way of energizing a group of voters that the Republican Party in Texas really needed. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the far, um, I would say, the more extreme part of the party. And it became part of the Republican Party platform to overturn Roe versus Wade, defund Planned Parenthood, things that I knew were unpopular, even in even in Texas. Um, but once, I guess once that wing of the party kind of got hold of the Republican Party, it just kind of kept snowballing. And that's really what I think has happened. What has happened to this conversation and activism around it since the Dobbs decision? Well, it's just been uh, seismic in terms of you know, we saw, I guess, the first measure of whether this actually had a political impact in that sense. I mean, we can talk about the other implications, mm, like yes, what it's meant for will. women's health. We and, will. We will. Right. But, um, you know, was Kansas. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, as your listeners probably know, there was a ballot initiative in Kansas, which would have essentially undermined the constitutional right to safe and legal abortion, which existed. And... Um, it was and it was kind of interesting because it was put on a it was put on a primary ballot where of course nobody votes in the beginning of August middle of summer when people are not thinking about politics record turnout Correct. unexpected record turnout um, uh, it was defeated by about eighteen points and fifty one percent of the voters were Republican and so you can do the math I mean right. it was like means a lot of independent voters Republican voters turned out to vote against that. I think 20% of the voters in the in the Kansas initiative or, or amendment uh, were um, only voted on that. They didn't even vote on <laughs> the primary ballot. So, and it was, and I guess, and the last thing I'll say is, because I think it's, it, it's part of a trend we're beginning to see. There was um, a record turnout, an over sort of bump in turnout among young people, among women, and among Latino voters. So there's a lot to kind of parse out of that. Sure. And there have been a couple of uh, special elections this yes, calendar. Yes, that's true. Uh, in New York, there was a special election for a House seat in which this issue played prominently and appeared to have been the accelerant to the Democratic victory in that election. What does that tell you about what may or may not happen when all the votes are counted and sifted after this midterm election? I mean, it's so hard to say. You know, midterm elections mm-hmm. are, as we all know, um, lower turnout elections. As you said, there's a lot of different things happening in this country. Um, I think, I mean, we will learn a lot. Um, it's, but unlike the Kansas ballot initiative, that was where it was very much, very that clear. was, that very was clear what cut. you were voting on. And the reason I asked that question, mm-hmm. Cecile Richards, is because this week in Politico Playbook, one of the morning newsletters that lots of us in Washington read and read avidly, on Monday it asked this question. Is the Dobbs energy over, essentially? Mm-hmm. Are economics overtaking that as the closing argument issue? And it was citing polling data in certain states where races that look to be in one direction have moved back. And it was asking this question out loud. Has the political saliency or the political momentum that came with the Dobbs decision that you described earlier in any way begun to wane. Do you have a sense about that? I, I think it's incredibly hard to know, but I don't think it's... It, 
I mean, again, the midterm election is only one measure of what's happening in the country. Um, but I do think long term, this is this is not going to wane. And in fact, that's what I, I you know, I've just been around the country this last week, um, was in Arizona, Utah, um, other states. I was in, recently in Michigan. There is this has created a, an energy and a concern by the part of people who are not really participating in politics that I think is could potentially be much more long-lasting even post post midterm elections and i i think what we are also of course beginning to see is the impact not just the loss of a right like the loss of freedom which i know has been an important aspect of this but we're seeing actually the real um lived experience for women and families um couples people trying to get pregnant the number of stories on the road i heard of women um, who I did not know coming up and saying, you know, I'm, I live here in Arizona. I'm trying to get pregnant. I'm terrified that um, my pregnancy and what my medical provider and what my doctor can tell me um, is going to be completely changed because of this abortion ban. Because, of course, a lot more families in this country and a lot more women um, are um, struggling to get pregnant. They want healthy pregnancies, and it's it's a much more complicated situation um, than it was perhaps when Roe was originally decided. That is the voice of Cecile Richards. I didn't mention this at the top. I <laughs> want to do so now. Kev, uh, Bistro du Jour is our host restaurant. I haven't been here before on the wharf, Washington, D.C. It's going to be a coffee and water breakfast for us on this morning of August 13th. More with Cecile Richards and our conversation about the politics and lived realities of a post-Roe world when we, re- when we return. I'm Major Garrett, segment two of The Takeout, in just one moment. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Bistro Du Jour is our host restaurant, so glad to be here. Cecile Richards is our guest this week. As I mentioned in our first segment, from 2006 to 2018, president of Planned Parenthood. What are you doing now, Cecile? What am I doing now? It's a great. That's what my kids always ask me. Um, <laughs> so I I co-chair American Bridge, which is an organization that has been. I, I do that with Governor Deval Patrick from Massachusetts, mm-hmm. who's been a longtime friend, and it's really been about engaging people in this election and this right. electoral process. And particularly, I've been focused for many many years since Planned Parenthood. Um, on women and women voting and you know we saw such a surge of women getting engaged and actually running for office and you know starting new organizations after the um, 2016 election and I want to make sure that we that isn't a blip that we you know encourage particularly young women to feel like this is this is something they could do too and I and we're seeing that I mean it's obviously the most um, gender diverse congress we've ever had and I think that's going to continue to grow. Speaking of uh, gender diversity and uh, interesting things in politics, you have a famous mother. I do have a famous mother. Okay. Please. So I, uh, you know, I'm from Texas, mm-hmm. as I think you said. We shared our love of West Texas um, and your early days there. My mom um, was Ann Richards. Yes. Um, she uh, was... Uh, I grew up in Dallas, and she was a housewife, as we called it back in the day. Uh, spent many years raising four unruly children, and then when the women's—it's it's kind of actually why I'm still interested in this. You know, when the women's movement started, 
mom was like, oh, my God, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, there's something I could do besides, right. you know, make the, the perfect um, birthday celebration for these children. And um, so she, well, actually, it's funny. She, the first campaign I was actually involved in as a kid, we had moved to Austin at the time. And there was a young woman uh, who wanted to run for the state house. Uh, and that was just kind of unheard of, you know. And, of course, so, like, not a lot of guys wanted to run the campaign. So mom said, well, I'll do it. And um, her name was Sarah Weddington. Mm. And of course, this is a woman who earlier had won and, uh, you know, won the Roe versus Wade case was at the, the age of 26. Yeah, exactly. Chief lawyer. 26. Youngest ever. Um, anyway, that was a campaign that we all got to, um, got to pitch in on as kids. And... Mom then went to the Capitol and worked for Sarah, and then she decided, I don't know, why don't I, I think I could do this, and eventually became governor, uh, which was just, again, totally unheard of in, in those days. Unquestionably, unquestionably. As we went to break, you started to talk about the practical effects for women as mm-hmm. they are trying to wrestle with this post-Roe world. I'm going to give you as all, all the time you need or want to talk about the practical difficulties that you want my audience to understand mm-hmm. exists now that didn't before the Dobbs decision was handed down? Well, I don't think there's probably anybody that's listening to this or that we know that hasn't had a friend, a family member, or maybe their own you know, situation where they've had a pregnancy that has been a challenge in some kind of way. And you know, most recently, so even pre-Dobbs, um, you know, of course, Texas banned abortion mm-hmm. more than a year ago, almost all abortions. And also passed this bounty system where essentially you can't talk to anybody about what you could do about um, terminating a pregnancy without fear of being turned in. Um, there is, I mean, your neighbor, your friend, your your family. So that that sort of fear and just actually terror among women in Texas, I've been seeing for now the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and we, I mean, it, it, it ha- almost immediately, of course, there was a young woman in, in South Texas, 26 years old, who went to a hospital. She was miscarrying. Um, they suspected that she may have been trying to terminate a pregnancy and she was turned into the sheriff's office and thrown in jail. Um, and that was just the beginning of, I think, an understanding of <clears throat> what it means when you criminalize women, um, medical providers. And <clears throat> since then, of course, there have been all kinds of stories. And, you know, we've all heard, or maybe not all, um, maybe that's one of the things that we, we need to do more is, like, shine a light on what this really means. The 10-year-old mm-hmm. girl in Ohio who was forced, um, you know, who was a sexual assault survivor forced to go to the state of Indiana uh, to end that pregnancy. That's becoming the reality in more and more states. Um, so there are, the, there are these extreme and really horrific examples of, um, of people who cannot make their own decisions. Some of them are young people, for sure. And we can talk about how, I think, disproportionately this ban falls on groups of people But this last trip that I took, talking to doctors and talking to people who are trying to get pregnant but who have already had an ectopic pregnancy, they've miscarried, they're on IVF, the complications are real uh, and they are widespread. Um, So we can talk more about that. But that's, that's another aspect of this. I think people, which is one of the reasons why I think politicians just really have no business Mm-hmm. getting in between doctors and their patients. So uh, you can look up all the numbers on this, ladies and gentlemen, but since 1973, when the Roe v. Wade decision was handed down legalizing abortion in all 50 states, clinics provided most of the abortions in this country. Hospitals provided some, doctors provided others, and that percentage of hospitals and doctors has been on the decline steadily. Clinics were really the place most reliable for those seeking an abortion to obtain those services. Since Dobbs, clinics have been closing in lots of states, meaning there are no avenues even to have this conversation, let alone this procedure. Correct. Correct. And and look, this is not the question you're asking, but I just want to sort of pull that thread through. Uh, In Texas, because of course, the Republicans in Texas have been trying to ban abortion forever, trying to shut down Planned Parenthood. Many of the years I was there, that was their goal. 
<clears throat> these clinics, they don't only provide safe and legal abortion, they provide many women their annual pap smear, their breast exam, their well woman visit. And so I, I, one of the other, you know, whether it's intended or unintended consequences of In this addition is, to birth control. <clears throat> absolutely. And women are now losing access to all reproductive health care in these states, and that is not going to change. And it took years to build <clears throat> an infrastructure, particularly for women with low incomes who do not have, um, either they're uninsured or they don't have a lot of options. Women, I mean, you lived in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. Rural Texas mm -hmm. is not an easy place to be able to access uh, uh, reproductive health care, women's health care at all. And so there's the cascading impact of shutting down clinics, um, shutting down women's health providers is we're just beginning to see uh, the impact. And I think so when you ask, well, what's the impact on the midterm elections is like, I just think we are at the we are just the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. in terms of what the the long term um, uh, impact of this. will and be. And there are easy ways to look this up, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to. And I invite you if you're really curious. But one thing that is clear to me looking at the data if your state does something to outlaw or severely restrict, that doesn't mean abortion ends. Completely. It means exactly. women go to other states. Missouri is a classic example. Missouri's in-state abortion incidence rate is almost zero. But residents who live in Missouri who obtain abortions is actually going up mm -hmm. because they're going out of state right. to obtain. So it's not as if they're done or they're eliminated. They're just, re, they're just moved to another place. Yes. No, I'm not suggesting that's, yes. a, that's a non-consequential thing. No, I'm no, just no. saying I, I, the net number doesn't shift. Well, the, I, I think the need remains. Right. No, there's two points here I think that are really, really um, worth mentioning. Yes, we all know abortion existed before Roe. It's Long not before. that it, it's, it's that it was unsafe. Um, young, healthy women were dying in emergency rooms um, from botched abortions. And that was, I mean, I remember meeting docs who did their residencies during those time, and they are still around. They could tell you what it looks like to live in a time when women take, have to take other, other means. So that is incredibly important. But the other piece of this is, you're right, women, um, to some extent, are leaving their state but, you know, again, talking to people in Texas and to healthcare providers in Texas, there are many, many women who have never left the state of Texas. And since the majority of women who actually decide to terminate a pregnancy are already mothers, these are these are not women who just have a lot of extra resources to put their whole family in a car, drive to Colorado, drive to New Mexico. And so the thing that, again, is most worrisome to me, it's almost not the stories we're hearing. It's stories. all the stories we're not hearing. That is the voice of Cecile Richards, our guest. Just so everyone knows, uh, two weeks on this topic. I'll tell you on the other side of this break who our guest next week will be. Segment three of the takeout coming up in just one second. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Bistro du Jour is our host restaurant. Happy to be here. It's a coffee and water breakfast for Cecile Richards and I today. October 13th is the day we're recording this, and I told you we're going to do this for two weeks. So Cecile Richards is quite obviously on the pro-abortion rights side of the ledger. Next week, Marjorie Dannenfelser will be our guest, and we'll have a, exactly the same type of conversation, whole show, on her perspective, which is to restrict abortion rights because she believes abortion is murder and should be severely restricted. For those who hold that point of view, and I know you have sparred with them rhetorically, intellectually, for the better part of your professional life, 
What do you say to that essential moral, moral argument that this, what we're talking about, is the immoral taking of a human life? Look, I think everyone has their right to their opinion about abortion and their right to decide about what they would do. Um, in that circumstance themselves. In their own, exactly. I mean, look, I, you know, I have three kids. I, you know, I, and as we, as, I mean, you have kids too. You know, these are not, these are not decisions people take lightly about um, when and whether to have children. And of course, it's not just about having a baby. It's about being responsible as a parent for the mm-hmm. rest of your, our, our natural happy, lives. natural, happy, natural lives. So I actually think fundamentally the question isn't how you feel about abortion. I think the question, because I, again, I deeply respect people on every side of that, um, that d- personal decision. The question is, is government, should politicians be making that decision for all people? And that is essentially what is now happening. Is we're mm-hmm. saying, I don't care the circumstances. I don't care your situation. The government has now taken away the right to make decisions about your pregnancy and I just fundamentally, and that's why I think we saw what we did in Kansas, I think that's what we are seeing across the country, people across the p- political spectrum are saying, actually, that's, regardless of my own personal feelings, I don't think government should be um, making those decisions. Let me read a headline to you that I came across. Medication abortions now account for more than half of all U.S. abortions. Correct. Explain to my audience what a medication abortion is and why that statistic matters in this particular context. Well, it's, it, it is interesting because in some ways we're going back to the time before Roe, and in some ways in 50 years a lot of things have changed. And one thing that's changed is um, access to very safe um, a medication abortion is now a reality in this country. And it means that you can terminate a pregnancy safely through taking um, two pills um, mm-hmm. and that are prescribed. It happens around the world. This is not, you know, the U.S. is not unique. And, of course, what we have seen, and it kind of gets back to your earlier question about, like, just making abortion illegal doesn't mean that people quit having abortions. It just means they're kind of on their own. There has been an explosion, because um, I follow the Google search um, mm-hmm. traffic, explosion of people searching online for how to buy abortion pills. Fortunately, there are people who sell them that are very reputable, mm-hmm. and that um, this is, I mean, I think we're going to see this And during continue. the pandemic, some federal restrictions on access to these pills were loosened in order to obtain them more Correct. regularly. Since people couldn't get to health since, centers and Since clinics. people could not exactly. get to health centers and clinics. Do you yeah. think those will remain, and do you find, or do you fear, rather, that access will be restricted as states become even more restrictive, not just about procedures in clinics, oh, but methods yes. of, uh, of, of all kinds? No, absolutely. I mean, the state of Texas, state of, I mean, you can go down all these states that banned abortion. They banned all abortions. They they're saying, you can't take medication abortion, you can't do anything. But the truth is, women are going to do what they have to do. Um, and again, my concern as someone who cares about health care and women's health is we need women to be able to, to end a pregnancy if that's what they want to do. We need to be able to, to do that safely and with the medical support that they need. Medication abortion is incredibly safe. I think that is going to become much more what, um, you know, certainly early in pregnancy. Um, you're still going to have women, though, that need to go to a clinic. Um, and that, look, I, this is not the topic that you've raised here, but one of the just other, um, whether unintended, I don't even want to say these are unintended consequences, because I don't actually think the people who have passed these bans and who have crusaded against ending access to making your own decisions about pregnancy, I think they are fully aware of what's happening. You know, the harder it is for women to access illegal abortion pushes it further into pregnancy. And that is horrifying to me. Um, I was just actually speaking with folks in Illinois who are seeing more patients coming from states where they've banned abortions. And women are coming later because they have to put together the money. They have to get time off work. Um, It's outrageous that women would be making decisions about their health care and their pregnancies because of um, politicians uh, getting in the way. Um, So that's, but, but you are correct. Medication abortion, I think, is now, and particularly as people understand that this is an option for them, it's going to become much more widespread. There are billboards in Austin, Texas, in parts of Mississippi, Oklahoma, 
sponsored by the state of California mm-hmm. that say, need an abortion, California is here to help. From your practical and experiential point of view, is that a remedy? Well, I mean, it's a partial remedy, and it's important that, that women know it's not nationally banned. Of course, it's not nationally banned until the Republicans gain control of Congress and the presidency, and then they've made it very clear they want to make a national ban. So it won't matter if you live in California or New York State at, at, at that point. So, But there were just realistically, there are millions of people um, who cannot get to California. And so I, I, I appreciate what California is doing, and I appreciate the states that are trying to facilitate um, health care access for people in these, these banned states. But we have 17 states that have banned abortion. Pretty soon it'll be half the country. And, um, you know, for, you know, a woman who's been, you know, who's lived in West Texas all her life, suddenly the thought of somehow going to a strange city um, uh, with maybe with her kids trying to find the, the resources, it's just not realistic. I'm not trying to get all uh, okay. Gilead here. No, it's and, okay. It um, is Gilead. That's all right. You're not getting there. We're already there. But can you imagine a scenario in which states would check people flying to places that provide abortions to inquire as to why they're going there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is because the people, and again, I'm just going to pick on my home state of Texas, which I love. I'm a Texan. All my family lives there. It's, you know, but the, the, the zealousness of in which they want to track down anyone. I mean, that's why when they put this whole bounty system in place, that's nothing other than trying to basically incentivize people to turn in their neighbors, turn in their friends. Um, I've also, create I've, I've also fear. read about mechanisms by which data collection can geotarget people going into places that provide abortion services to un- understand who goes in and who goes out. Absolutely. No, we had there's there are absolutely reports of people taking pictures of people's license plates going into a planned parenthood. I mean, that's been happening for years. The harassment of women trying to exercise either their rights or just access to health care is very real. And of course, we've already seen a case in which the search history of someone online, you know, what they looked at on Facebook, whether they search, what their Google searches were, uh, is now something that prosecutors uh, can can access. Uh, that is terrifying for people. It's, you know, so you're starting with saying you can no longer access legal abortion in your state. Then you're saying we're going to keep you from leaving the state. Then they're saying we're also going to track your, your search history and all of your use of social media uh, and the Internet. It's, that's when you are talking about Gilead. And that actually, I think, is at the core of why there has been such a reaction about this Dobbs decision is people feel like this is now government controlling their lives and that's frightening for people that is um that's not what the american people want gilead of course the reference to the handmaid's tale if you hadn't quite picked up on that already uh we've got 45 seconds before we need to go to break cecile richards uh is it your hope and belief that the midterm elections will be some break on all the things we have just spent the last nine minutes talking about? I, I, I hope it is. Uh, look, if we had a referendum in every state in this country, this would this Dobbs decision would be overwhelmingly rejected. Um, and uh, you know, the midterms aren't going to be a perfect measure of that, but I think they're going to be a demonstration of the deep concern, again, that I think crosses party line and geography um, about this kind of government um, intrusion. That is the voice of Cecile Richards. As I mentioned, it's a coffee and water breakfast for us <laughs> here on October 13th at Bistro Du Jour. Segment four of our conversation. And again, we will have the opposing point of view on this next week. Major Garrett, that's me. Takeout is the show. Segment four coming up in just one second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Cecile Richards is our guest. Let's talk about just some basic numbers. Again, you can look these up online. Guttmacher Institute is regarded by both sides of this conversation the best assembler of documentation. The year that Roe versus Wade was decided, there were 744,000 abortions in America. The number of abortions in America peaked in 1990 at 1.6 million. The latest number is 930,000 in 2019. What would you say has been the arc of America's experience with this question and this procedure? Well, I think as, I mean, women's health has improved since Roe was decided. Um, People are able to get Although, with no thanks to our opposition, people are better, able to get better access to birth control, better kinds of birth control. One of the most important things we did under Obamacare was get all birth control covered by insurance at no copay, which was huge economically. I think women saved like $1.4 billion the first year alone. Um, and so, I, and abortion has become a very safe procedure. It's it's an early, generally very early. Right. The vast um, majority occur within the first. 13 to 16 weeks. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, it's, Again, you can look that up, folks. That's yeah. No, it's number. safer than getting your wisdom teeth out, honestly. Um, uh, so all of that has improved. I think that what is the struggle has been is that all of the um, legislation, because even despite the fact that Roe was the law um, or the constitutional right, legislatures, and particularly, again, in Texas and other states, have made it increasingly difficult for healthcare providers. Um, and so they've passed a number of restrictions, you know, waiting periods, and then you had to build basically hospitals. A small hospital around exactly, a clinic. To make it expensive and impossible, forcing doctors to get all kinds of admitting privileges and stuff. All that did is made it harder for, for people. And I, so I think that... Um, all of that has been, you know, it's been very positive that women's health care has improved and their ability to make these decisions and make them early. I think the difficult thing, and this gets to the abortion bans, but also the legislation that was passed, it's made it much harder for uh, younger women, for uh, women that, you know, are working with low income, mm-hmm. who don't have a lot of um, financial resources. Certainly black and brown women are disproportionately impacted by abortion bans, in part because of where they, where they live. And so this, the really uh, tragic fact about both the Dobbs decision and, again, all of this sort of punitive legislation against women is it has fallen hardest on people who already have the least access to care. The reason I highlighted that number, yep. 1.6 million in 1990, in the presidential campaign of 1992, with the first one I covered, Democratic nominee Bill Clinton is well remembered for saying his position on this question was abortion in America ought to be safe, legal, and rare. The rare part of it seemed to be at least a rhetorical awareness of this trend line up in the frequency of abortions since 1973. Is that a rhetorical formulation you are still comfortable with, safe, legal, and rare? Well, it's interesting because I've you know, actually done a lot of um, listening to women and to people, not just women, in this country. And they actually kind of reject that idea because it's like rare for who? Like it sort of seems like a... That I think what... Does what it pe- sound a little patriarchal? Yeah, it sounds like sort of like we're going to... Yeah, you know... Exactly. I'm glad you said that, not me. Um, And and I I think the truth is what people want overwhelmingly in this country is they want people to be able to get access to good family planning and birth control, um, get access to affordable health care, and be able to make these decisions themselves. And so definitely the safe and legal part, but I think the rare seems like a judgment kind of that is not really, that's just not how people see these decisions. You know, something I do want to mention, because I, I think it's related 
we talked about earlier about the Kansas ballot, uh, about the ba- the amendment on the ballot where it was overwhelmingly rejected. This was, again, an effort to allow the, the legislature to ban abortion. When I was at Planned Parenthood, we had similar ballot, amend- ballot initiatives where the state of Mississippi, which is obviously mm-hmm. very conservative, right. Republican, red state, if you will, the state of South Dakota, twice, voters in those states rejected the exact same kind of legislation. They rejected uh, abortion bans that were passed by their legislatures. And again, I think it's just because exactly to this kind of overarching point about where the American people are, which is they just don't believe politicians should be making decisions about pregnancies. And women will say to you, and men, it's like, I don't know another person's circumstance, which is why I think this formulation of rare is sort of like, well, I mean, who's to say? It really is. It's it's up to the person who is uh, facing this pregnancy, making decisions, um, and which why which is why I believe that's a that is a little bit yeah, it's antiquated. Mm-hmm. Is it a sad occurrence an abortion? I mean, I think it depends on uh, it depends on the woman and it depends on the patient. I've heard everyone's stories. In fact, you know, women um, at Planned Parenthood often write in our diary. You know, they, they, they write their experience as sort of in their, uh, as, they're, as they're going. And you see the entire range of emotions. And for some women, it's an enormous relief. It is, it is a, um, even if it was, a, sometimes it's a hard decision, sometimes it's not as hard a decision. Um, but women are very thoughtful. Uh, that, I guess, is what I have overwhelmingly um, sort of come to, to understand is people don't make des- these decisions lightly um and as I, you know as i said earlier you know majority of women who have abortions already are mothers so they know full well the responsibilities um of not only having um a healthy pregnancy but t- being responsible for those children for the rest of their lives and i'm sure you would say that the attitude is up to the person just as the choice is up to the person exactly and Society can have an opinion on that, but it can't regulate that. Well, and I mean, if we, if we could sort of like pull that thread through as well, the states where they are banning abortion are also the states where there is the least support for uh, prenatal care, for uh, maternity benefits, for even the state of Mississippi, you know, where this whole case, Dobbs case originated, uh, for a new mom on, on Medicaid in the state of Mississippi you know how many months she gets of health care once she's had a pregnancy, once she's delivered? Two months. And then she's on her own. And in fact, the same legislature that passed the abortion ban refused to extend that to a year of health care. So these are women who are really very aware that there's no one, all these people who are passing these abortion bans, they're not coming to then help them uh, support their children, support them economically. Um, and that, I think, is, I mean, if, of all the hypocrisies, to me, that is the gravest um, That is the voice of Cecile Richards. She has been our guest this week, as I promised at the top of the show. And sometimes we do this. It's always my call. So this is my call. We're going to do this topic for two consecutive weeks. Cecile Richards is our guest this week. Marjorie Dannenfelser. Look her up. Enormously influential on the other side of the abortion question. She will be our guest next week. That's my pledge to you to air this issue out as best as we possibly can before the midterm elections, because it's obviously really important. I'm Major Garrett. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. For those of you on CBS News Streaming and our beloved podcast platforms, stick around for the Takeout Outtake Especial. We'll see you next week. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. From 
CBS News. This is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial. I'm Major Garrett. <laughs> Bistro du Jour is our host restaurant. It's a coffee and breakfast, kind of Spartan breakfast here on this October 13th. Cecile Richards is our guest. As I mentioned during the show, from 2006 to 2018, she was president of Planned Parenthood. Her mother was Ann Richards, governor of Texas. What's the most fun thing to be the daughter of a governor of a state like Texas? Um, the most fun thing, I mean, there were so many fun things. There were some hard things, but there were some really fun things. Um, at the very end of mom, once she got beat, mm-hmm. and then we're like, okay, Bye. whatever. George Bush. George W. Bush, just, 1994. That was just the beginning, just the beginning of the story. Um, uh, the most fun thing was we got to go to the, because she had one month left, that December month of like, kind of like the little lame duck, and we got to go to Mexico for the inauguration of the president in Mexico, and it was just like over the top, bananas on bananas, and uh, we, had, we got to have a lot of fun because... Um, she wasn't going to be governor anymore, right? right? right. You know, and uh, all, all that. I mean, we just met amazing people, just travel the countryside. I don't know. I loved it. I love it. I love Texas as much as I'm frustrated. Do you love <laughs> politics? I mean, who really loves? I mean, I'm not like a junkie in that mm-hmm. sense, a pol- political junkie. But you're but deeply involved. Your I husband am, is deeply involved. Yeah, He's an organizer. My, kid, in, in, my kids are deeply saying. involved. No, I look, I think who's in government has more to do with how your life works out than anything else. So, and I learned that from mom, you know, it is. So I, I, I think that it's, um, I think it's choices easy Choices matter and who makes yeah. the choices and decisions matters. Even completely, more. completely. I mean, that's what mom always said. Like this is the institution that's going to have the most impact on your life. And just remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's a cliche. Many cliches are true. <laughs> if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Correct. Exactly. And I think for women, look, that's, I think that's what women are realizing right now. So the dreaded part, I can tell you're already <laughs> beginning to preemptively freak out. Well, so when I heard the, the uh, especial. Fun, yeah, the fun yeah. and games part of the especial is we have three threshold questions. We've oh asked gosh. every single guest. Gird yourself with so them. Do I, do I, can I call a friend or you whatever? Can call I call a friend. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, so in whatever order you prefer, most influential book in your life. All-time favorite movie, and if you're on a long flight or a long drive and you're really going to enjoy some music, what kind of music, artist, or genre are you most likely to listen to? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Book, movie, music. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's funny, because actually, my husband and I drove back and forth to New Orleans twice from New York during the pandemic because I was going like... Awesome. Love it. And so I would... So so I'll say I not only would like to do it, but literally have done it... um, I will listen to Aaron Neville sing until the end of the world. And if you don't, anyway, who, anybody who's listening who does not know Aaron Neville, you youngsters, check him out. The most beautiful voice um, in the world. And um, Heaven sent, you would say. He really, I just, there's just no way, there are no words to describe. Anyway, that's a much longer conversation I can have about Aaron Neville and the Neville brothers <laughs> and New Orleans music in general. Um, okay, then you said my favorite movie. I mean, this is... I'm not going to say Zoolander because that would really make me seem shallow. Um, although I think all of totally acceptable answer. All of life, there is a Zoolander episode at some point. But I guess in my um, really like the movie that I always have loved is Chinatown. It's just like Phenomenal my big movie. fave. I don't know. I love the music. I love. I mean, it's just such a great, um, such a great. There's a reason they teach the script of Chinatown in all. Film classes oh, in do the world. They? they do. They do. I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. So I could just like check that off the box. Watch okay. the original. It's spectacular. It's such an incredible film. Um, and then, I mean, look, books. So many books have made an influence. But I will say one that I I actually have sent probably to more people mm-hmm. than any other uh, is Mountains Beyond Mountains um, by Tracy Kidder, and it's really the story of Dr. Paul Farmer who. Um, who died this year, actually. Uh, Paul Farmer was so instrumental. And this is, it's really about his work in, in Haiti. Um, and he, he, but he was a worldwide um, medical provider. And just his humanity and also, so, I mean, it's about him and how one man or one person can completely change the world and change the lives of millions of people. Anyway, I find it... Um, really inspiring have you ever been to haiti 
I haven't Neither actually. Have I. No, my daughter's been to the Dominican Republic, but I have not. I have not been to Haiti. Um, so anyway, it's um, but that the would idea be. of a person in a place changing everything around that place resonates with you. Yes, and I mean, again, he went on to create Partners in Health. Um, in fact, one of my daughters lives in Rwanda, and they Partners in Health it has a big um, medical um, operation in Rwanda too. He just he he understood and was committed to public health in a way that, again, a lot of these issues that we're talking about, it's like why would we put politics in between people and just being able to live healthy lives? And he was just a passionate um, advocate in that mountains way. Mountains on mountains. Ma- mountains it. beyond mountains. Mountains beyond mountains. I want to say that's. Yeah, I think that's exactly how you say it. But anyway, really good. good. I know if you haven't read it, I think you'll love it. On my list now. Cecile Richards, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so So much. Yeah, so good to be with you. Thank you. That's it for your Takeout Outtake. Especial, I'm Major Garrett. We'll see you next week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like the Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, Tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.